Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Stars. We continue this series called Live Sense. So whether you're in Compass, you're up the hill in True North, or you're watching online this morning, we are really, really glad you are with us. So I want you to do me a favor. Take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 11 is where we're going to be. Uh, if you have your app, you can go to the um, North Star Church Georgia in the app store, and that will be... A great place to have all the notes there. Also, if you are live in the room, you were handed a little handout on the way in. We will use that to journey along. Mike, why do we print out notes? Because it keeps us moving and focused the same direction, or I'm talking about the Falcons Cowboys, all right? And so it does, it keeps us moving and grooving in the same direction, and you've got something to take home with you. You know, it's an old, old thought. The more what you write down, you are probably more likely to remember. And I think there's things in all of us we need to remember. Remember. So this early church, as, as Steph and True North and Cole here in Composite, is beginning in a cauldron. All right. So it's not like the church in the or, or the place in the world most likely to birth a sending church or a church that's going to really be a major player. You would have never picked out Antioch. You just wouldn't have. Antioch wasn't that area. I mean, it was an area of of people that did whatever it took to get ahead, that to to move along in commerce. But yet you find this group of people thriving in a very, very difficult arena and area. So I think all the time we think, well, for the church to be the church, then, then the church is going to be in a real easy, safe society. No, it's just everything other than that. It was a very tough area, but what God did was huge. I want you to read with me today about this thriving church. Acts chapter 11, we're going to start reading in verse 19. Would you stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? So we know Luke recorded the book of Acts, right? So Luke wrote down all the acts of the apostles. And so we have this, and I'm so glad we've got it. Luke 11, verse 19. Meanwhile, the believers who have been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death, this is around AD 35. These, remember, these people have come to know Christ. Stephen, we talked about it a few weeks ago, was stoned to death for his faith. And they're scattered because the church is persecuted. And they've ended up in this coastal region called Antioch. So they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. So they had to get out of Jerusalem because the Jews and those Jewish leaders of the time were trying to shut them down. So they end up in this area. But look at what it said. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch of Cyprus and Cyrene, they began to preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. We found Peter last week preaching to the Gentiles. This is unheard of. This is crazy. They don't know the Ten Commandments. They don't know the old principles of Hebrew law. Began preaching them. You know what it means they began preaching? They just began speaking out in everyday life about what Jesus was doing in their lives and the power of the Lord was with them and a large number of the Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Remember Barnabas, we, we know he's an encourager. When he arrived, he saw the evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. 
Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and many were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch, and both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was in Antioch that the believers were first called Christians, little Christ in a pagan culture. During this time, some prophets traveled to Jerusalem from Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the Roman world. And this was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone given as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. And you have in the middle of this crazy, wild, cosmopolitan culture, this church that's thriving. And they lay out a blueprint and a roadmap for us. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Would you pray with me? Right where you're standing this morning, would you just ask the Lord to speak to you, would you? Say, God, would you speak to me today? Would you ask the Lord that when he speaks that you'd be willing to listen? Father, today we give you our hearts, give you our minds, we give you our hands, we give you our feet. Father, over these next few short minutes that we have together today, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us, and that, Father, you'd help us be the people and the church that you created for us to be. Father, that is my prayer. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Before you're seated, find two people around you and say, I'm already ready for summer. All right, do that real quick. I'm already ready for summer. All right, can we, can we take an official vote? How many of you are already done with cold weather? Cold weather, can I get an amen? Oh man, I'm telling you, it's killing me. Woke up this morning, I'm like, this ain't, I ain't worried. How many of y'all like the cold? You're like, I love it cold. Why are you here? Why, what, what, how, why did you end up in the South? Man, I love warm weather. I'm struggling with cold, I'm struggling. This early church, I love it. This early church, what a picture. It's funny, um, We've all seen the life cycle of churches. You know, churches, they launch, and then they, they begin to be vibrant and growing with lots of strategy. But then they hit, this, they hit this peak, and then the church begins a slow decline into maintenance, and many even times into self-preservation. Never... Um, Never being the thriving church, the sustaining, thriving church that God created. So here's the hard part. So we'll celebrate year 25 in January. You don't want to miss January 9th. Put it on your calendars. Circle. It's going to be our 25th anniversary service. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of faces from the past here. I think it's going to be a really neat morning. But you know what happens the longer you exist as a church? The easier it is to begin the decline the easier it is, you know, they say any business after it's around a certain period of time can start to be more for insiders rather than outsiders, right? They can lose their focus of why they exist. This church 
in the middle of Antioch, crazy town, begins to live out the mission that God called him to do and to live. Now, here's why it's big. It's big because it's a blueprint for us. It's a blueprint 2,000 years later for you and I sitting in this room because we are the church. We are the, the church, the little C church of North Star that we're occupying the space here on this planet that, that God has a design for us and it's to be thriving, right? So what does that look like? A couple thoughts, ready? Pencil them in. Principle number one, I think this is the one that stands out the most. This group of people committed to live sent. They committed. Church was not what they did. Church was who they were. It's not a place they went. It's a lifestyle they lived. There wasn't well, from 9 to 12 on Sunday morning, I'll think about my walk with Christ. No, it literally infected and affected everything they did, everywhere they went. So whether they were a tent maker or whether they served an industry, because you got to think, all these people that were coming into Christ were Gentiles. So it wasn't like they served in the local synagogue and their, their mom and dad were in ministry. Most likely, they were first generation followers of Christ. So whatever industry they were in, they just took Jesus there. Look at, I love how scripture says it. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Siren began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. Here's the word that I highlighted in my Bible. I wrote it down. The word contagious. Their faith was contagious. And everyone around them was affected by their faith. It was just what they did. You know, there's that old principle, you talk about what you love, right? That's what you do. You talk about what you love. Whatever is occupying your mind, you talk about it, whether it's your, your job or the person you've fallen in love with or whatever it is, but you talk about, I mean, it just comes out. You, you can try not to talk about it, but you do. They were so radically in love with Christ, they just couldn't help but live sin. But here's the other part, and if you're taking notes, a little part I wrote in, they were nameless people. That's what I love about the story. These weren't like scholars, biblical scholars or Old Testament scholars. They weren't people that came from a long line of religion. Christianity's brand new, so we know they weren't Christ followers. But even the old Jewish culture, the Hebrew culture, they didn't know that. They didn't know any of that. They were nameless people. Can I tell you this? When you live sent, when you live out your faith, it makes more of a mark on people than when I live out my faith. Well, Mike, why would that be? Why in the world? Because once you take on the title of pastor or you work in ministry, it just changes how people see and think about you. It just, it, it is. They expect me to say that. They don't expect you to say it. 
right? I got some baseball coach friends in here. And so a lot of times we'll be a pregame and guys are talking and I've got to, you know, I'll help coach and help out a little bit. So I got my hat, my uniform on. They don't know who I am and I'm there and there's all kinds of language being used. And they'll, and our coach will be like, I want you to meet Mike. He's a pastor in our community. Oh man, Mike, I'm really sorry about what I just said. And they start, apologizing. Like, it's fine, man. You do, you do you, you do you. And they'd always say, man, if I had a pastor in my dugout, we'd win. I wish it turned out like that, all right? And so I don't know. If it turned out like that, then I'd, I'd still be playing. But it didn't work out like that. But man, when a, when a person follows Christ and they live it out in a dark world and people don't expect it, it changes everything. I'm telling you, you think, you think, well, people like you are the ones that make a difference. No, 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 no. I would say it's people like you are the ones that make a difference. Because when you don't expect to see it, you're most influenced by it, right? Sort of like going somewhere and you're, you're not expecting somebody to be overly kind or overly nice and, and they're like incredibly nice and kind and you, it just exceeds your expectations. You don't even know what to do with it. This early church just lived sent. So this week I was thinking about North Star. So many of you, you just do it and you do it to the point. It's just who you are. You're not even trying to do it. I don't think this group of people woke up and said, okay, all right, I got to put on Jesus uniform and today I got to go out and live like Jesus. I think they just did it. So this week I got with some of our staff and I was like, all right, let's, let's think about it. And we could name hundreds of people. We pulled four people at North Star that live sent. One is a sweet lady named Julie LaRue. Julie, you may or may not know Julie, but Julie has gifts and talents that she gave to the Lord. And then there's Terry Ragsdale. I'm gonna tell you a story of Terry. Terry is a lady here at North Star. You may know her from the preschool children's hallway. You dropped your kids off over there. Terry's a professor at KSU. Terry is a widow. Terry lost her husband tragically a few years ago. But you know what Terry does every Monday morning at 5.30 a.m.? She gets up. She goes to a single mom's house who's trying to get three kids ready for school and work. And Terry goes and preps the kids' meals, helps pack up their lunches, get them dressed, and get them off to school. That's living sin. It's an everyday person who takes their life and blesses, blesses others. This is Julie. I was telling you about Julie here a second ago. Julie gets up every Sunday. All right, can we just call time out real quick? The band, so we've got on a Sunday morning, just may not know, so we've got this auditorium. We have another auditorium up the hill with a live band, True North, up in the chapel in True North. And we have technical people. There's about 40 or 50 people that arrive here between 6.30 and 7 every Sunday morning to get ready because they want to put on a great uh, opportunity for you to meet the Lord. And don't they do an amazing job? Would y'all give all our folks an amazing job? So if you're watching online, you can give them the little hand clap. I mean, do whatever emojis you got to do. They're amazing. You know what Julie does? 
Julie shows up because she knows they don't have time for breakfast. She gets up every Sunday morning, makes a hot breakfast and brings it in and puts it in the green room. I've given her my address, but anyways, no, I don't know if she gets lost or anyway. So Julie's amazing. There's a lady named Mary McDonald. That's Mary. Mary served in our elementary or served in our preschool ministry for years, working with little ones. Why does she do that? So moms and dads can come and sit in a service like this. She may never physically lead them to Christ, but maybe they met Christ in this room because she had their children. Last Sunday afternoon, Ann and I went out for a walk and Ann's all into, she's into walking now. So she, she, she let me go because it was her fun day. All right, and so she, it means I can talk to people and I, I, I can make a 45 minute walk. I really walk like 15 that I talk for 30. But anyway, so it's an amazing thing. So we're, we're out walking at Swift Cantrell and Ann sees Mary. Mary's down on her knees with her, she has her dog. She has her phone out. A young man had had a um, seizure and was laid out, I mean, right in the middle of the path. And walks up and there's Mary on the phone calling 911 and sitting there and being his mom till the ambulances and paramedics could get there. That's living scent. It's every day. Rick Downey, if you've been around North for any length of time, you know Rick Downey. Rick, Rick's a local small business owner, heat and air. Rick goes on mission trips. Rick drives 5 a.m. groups of people on mission trips. Rick's probably shown up at your house like he has. I just, he has a key to my house. And so he just comes in and there's stuff going out all the time. You know what these people do? They, they would go, why would you ever talk about me? Because they just live sin. It's not what they do. It's who they are. That was this early church. It wasn't people you knew all their name. Their name, get this, everybody look at me. Their names were never mentioned. Why were their names never mentioned? It wasn't important. You know what name's important? The name of Jesus is important. And that was the name everybody knew because of them. They lived sent. But look at principle number two. Not only did they live sent, they depended on God's power. They couldn't do it. This group of people didn't have the abilities. They didn't have the, they didn't have the, 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 the um, slot in society. Look at what it said. The power of the Lord was with them. And a number of these Gentiles believed, a large number, and they turned to the Lord. You know what they, the power they accessed? I want you to write this word down, ready? They prayed. They prayed. That was where their power came from. Their prayer was their dependence on God. Mike, why do we not see the Lord do great things more because we depend on us more than we depend on the Lord. Why does God seem to move such, in such big ways on mission trips? Because on mission trips, you have less access to stuff and more dependence on the Lord. Does that make sense to everybody? They depended on God's power. It wasn't like, okay, God, now this is a really big thing coming up. We could really use you. No, they're like, if we're gonna make it, and we're gonna, we're gonna make a difference in this society. God, we need your power. Point number three, not only they need God's power, they benefited. 
from personal encouragement. I love that the, that the church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas. We just talked about Barnabas the other week. Barnabas was the son of encouragement. Listen to what it says. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they heard all these miles away, dude, you're not gonna believe what's happening in Antioch. Man, it's blowing up. All these people are coming to the Lord. So they sent Barnabas. Now, most scholars think they sent Barnabas to see if what they were doing was legit, right? This is really spinning out down there and going great. Barnabas, go check out and make sure that they're all on the up and up. I mean, I just had this picture of all these people in this early church in Antioch. Man, they don't know anything. All they know is Jesus. And just a question. How many of you were saved during the 70s Jesus movement? Raise your hand. Okay, I have that picture in my mind of just a bunch of kids that are coming to know Christ and like, this could get out of control really fast. Let's send somebody down there to make sure we bring it under wraps, right? So I remember a few years ago, so we have small groups here at North Star and they're, they're awesome because we help them with curriculum and we know who's in their groups. And a few years ago, I got invited to go to Marietta to a small group from a, a young man that was attending North Star at that time. He lives in Atlanta now, but he was attending North Star at that time. And he's like, listen, man, I, I, we meet on like Tuesday nights at 8.45. And I was like, a.m.? He's like, p.m. I'm like, that's almost my bedtime, all right? And so he's like, could you come talk? I'm like, sure. So I show up this neighborhood literally preparing to walk in and do a small group of three to five people. I walked in that house. There were over 60 people in this house in their 20s of every nationality, of every color, of every ethnicity. And they were just, they were just walking through the book of Acts together. It was literally the picture. I, I, I got in my car that night. I was like, I am blown away and I'm really old, all right? And so that's how I felt when I left there that night. They were unbelievable. But it was literally the picture of us going, I hear what's going on, Marietta. We're gonna send somebody down to check it out. And then you go see it. And then what does Barnabas begin to do? He begins to encourage them. He fans the flame that's going on, going, you guys have got it. You're doing it. I, I love how it says it here. He was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Don't stop doing what you're doing. Stick in there. Hey, baby, listen, can we all agree on this? The journey gets tough, doesn't it? Amen. Knowing Jesus doesn't give you a pass on going through tough times, but it gives you the one who will get you through those tough times. Stay true to the Lord. Hey, we're depending on you. Stick in there. You guys have got this. But Barnabas knows he can't do it on his own. So principle number four, they anchored to God's word. He goes to Tarsus and gets Saul. We have now not seen Saul for eight years. He comes to know Christ on the road to Damascus. We see him. Got, he, was, he was taken out of the city because they were all trying to kill him. He went back to his hometown of Tarsus. He's there. He's growing in the Lord, growing in his faith, 
And Barnabas shows up, because guess what? It's time. Remember, Jesus lived for 30 years, did ministry for three. Bar- Saul comes to know Christ, and then he goes into hiding, basically. And he begins to grow. And it's like, hey, bud, it's time. You've been off the radar long enough. It's time. Because Saul knows the, the, the ways of the Jews like nobody. He was the Jew of Jews, scholar of scholars. But he also understands this Greek culture. Look at what it says. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back. And both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. So Barnabas and Saul come back and they just start sowing into these people. They start sowing into it. What do they sow in God's word? Why do they sow in God's word? I want you guys to get this. Because God's word never changes. How many of you had grandparents that love the Lord and love God's word. You were blessed enough to have a grandparent that loved the Lord and loved God's word. Raise your, raise your hand. I'm gonna raise my hand with you. My, my granddad had a third grade education, but he learned to read the Bible. Music back at their church looked way different than music here. We used to go down to homecoming weekend in Harrelson, all right? Homecoming Sunday. That's where everybody, if you don't know, if you hadn't grown up in the South, that's where everybody brings a dish and they put it out, right? And they put it out. And after church, biggest crowd of the year, everybody eats, all right? And so there's some good vittles put out there on that, on that spread there at Harrelson Baptist. Music looked different. This was the same. We live in an ever-changing, I mean, our world is rapidly changing. Used to be a time, you want to play music in your car, you had to go buy a cassette or an eight-track cassette, and then it went to CD, I mean, it's crazy, went to CD player in the car. And then if you wanted multiples, somebody put a CD rack in the back. You could do the changing thing. You know, I mean, the whole, some of y'all, you're hip, man. And so some of y'all wooing your girl made some mixed tapes back in the day. You listen to WSB, recording just enough music going along. And now, heck, we got every song we've ever wanted at, the, at our, they'll, they'll mention a song to me. I should pull it up. I got it. I mean, things are changing, Right? Everybody used to have a landline. Nobody has a landline anymore. Some of y'all don't know that. But anyway, so, what? Things are changing. This, never changing. I want to tell you guys this. If you ever walk in this church on a Sunday and somebody doesn't open God's word, you need to go. Because this is our unchanging truth. Paul, Saul, Barnabas, you know what they were giving them? They didn't have this. They had the, the Old Testament. Well, you know, it was the Torah, the Old Testament. 
First five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they're sowing that into them, and then they're telling them the acts of Jesus because the apostles have written down all their stuff. They're just saying, let me just tell you what Jesus did. I, I don't really know what we should do, but I know what Jesus did. And that's why these people were called little Christ because they began to go out and just live like Jesus everywhere they went. Number five, and they were quick to help others. I wrote this down in my Bible. I want you to write this little thought down. Their faith had feet. Their faith had feet. It's good to say we love people, but it's better to say we love people and do something about it. Would y'all agree with that? It's good to say, man, pray, man, our world needs Jesus. But if I only say our world needs Jesus and I'm not willing to help a brother or sister in this world that's down on their luck, get back up on their feet, get back up on their feet. Their society in Antioch is much like ours. All right, our world isn't getting more and more godly. Our world's getting less and less godly. What's going to stem the tide? Everybody look at me. You and me. If I don't, who will? So I've been around 25, this is 25 years I'll experience in January that I've been here at North Star. We've had a phenomenal run. Thousands, thousands have come to know Christ and been baptized here. But I don't want to be the church that talks about what it used to be like. I'd much rather be the church that we're telling the stories of what God's still doing. How's that happen? When you and I, as everyday people, live sin. I may know a lot of people in Ackworth and Kennesaw just because I've lived here a long time, but I get outside this little area, man, we're, we're nobodies, just like you. But I know of somebody who's changed me. Everybody look at me and I'm done, I promise. We've got a mission that God gave us breath in our lungs for. I'll make you a promise two seconds into heaven, you'll wish you'd done more. Two seconds. You're there, absent from the bodies, present with the Lord. You open your eyes, you see Jesus. Your first thought is, I should have done more. Why did I not do more? Why wait? Let's be the people God created us to be. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray over this church called North Star. We're no better than any other church around. 
we are just people with a mission that we're passionate about, who truly lock arms with our brothers and sisters in other churches and say, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. But God, for this place that I have been called to be the shepherd of, God, I want it to be a thriving church. God, I have to ask the question of me, am I thriving? Is my faith active or is my faith passive? Does my faith only activate on Sunday mornings when I walk in or when I tune in? Or does my faith activate every day when my feet hit the floor? From the drive-throughs to the one-off conversations, do I look and live like Jesus? Would I be known as a little Christ? This church was not thriving because of what they knew. This church was thriving because of who they knew. They knew Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, I have sort of ended up here. I really don't even know the story. I don't come from a family of faith. And if I do, maybe I walked away years ago. But Mike, I want my life to count. I want to know this Jesus you've been talking about. Can I lead you in a prayer to meeting? Could I? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that? I'm begging you to step out of heaven and step in my heart. I know I need you. I believe you live for me. Jesus, I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Be my personal Lord and Savior today. Today, you prayed that prayer with me. Just a moment. Seth and Steph and True North and your host online are going to tell you what to do so we can come alongside you to fan the flame of your faith. So God, we give you us. Right where you're seated this morning, would you just let the Lord speak to you? Would you?